a, a raven is never early and never late. They arrive exactly when needed. Yeah, and it's also you, you have to see that that core doesn't obey time and space. So, uh, you, you will always be late because core decides to make you come late, even, that, even before the show. I don't decide that, anything about Griffin's coming. Uh, yes, I come as much as I want. Thank you very much. But under the same breath, is that why I'm the lowest paid member of the staff? We don't get paid at all. We most definitely you're, you're do. You're only half a bird, so you get only half paid. Half paid? Okay, you'll be hearing from my attorneys too. Our eager hearts beat pointed up with pride and we cry. Horizon ahead, wings spread out. We claim the sky. Badania, Badania, all glory to Badania. Badania, Badania, forever free. Badania, 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 all glory to Badania. Badania, Badania, forever free. Badania. Beeping. Just, this is some clear species discrimination. That was Fleeks who said that, not me. So yeah, we're good. Yeah. Coming mm. soon. Bird life versus bird life in a court of law. Call <laughs> side on. <laughs> bird autonomy. Yep. So I'm back down in my second home. I, I just want to show the protection. Yeah. So I'm back down to my second home in Phoenix right now, just taking in some sunshine, enjoying the crazy. Look at this guy's second home in Phoenix. What the fuck? You retiree pensioner? What the hell, man? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It pays to have friends in high places, let me tell you. So I'm I'm down here living the dream. And And your birds, we all have friends in high places. That's right. But I never knew that it was possible to take a domestic flight that left prior to 6 a.m. So I had to be, I decided I'm going to fly down to Phoenix and visit some friends, right? And I had a round trip ticket for $100 on American. So I decided to go and um, take the most fiscally conservative approach here. We'll put it that way. Thank you. Uh, So I take the fiscally conservative approach down to get to uh, Phoenix. And it's $100 round trip. Well, I said, sure, why not? Well, I didn't read the fine print because the fine print said it's a morning flight. Well, morning flight being that it departs at 4.45 a.m., which means I need to be at O'Hare International by 4 a.m., which means I need to leave my nest by 2.25 a.m. That was an adventure. That's that's actually kind of normal for me for my traveling. Yeah, no, not me. I'm usually an afternoon or night flyer, not fuck this morning shit. And... (laughs) Being on an airplane that was full at four o'clock in the morning, basically, with a kid kicking my seat for three and a half hours, that was a that that. Whoo! That's that when you took, just bring a spritz bottle and just like, stop it, stop it. Worst part about it is when we landed. When we landed, you know, I went and uh, I made the mistake of tweeting, "Wow, you know, the benefits of flying the first flight of the day is your plane's already parked at the gate overnight, so there's no reason for delays." Which is true. We took off on time, but when we landed at Phoenix, the jet bridge broke down 
for 30 minutes. So we were stuck at the gate, not able to leave the plane till maintenance fixed it. And the way they fixed it was, and I quote the pilot saying this over the speakers, um, they turned it off and back on again. Yeah, that sounds right. Took 30 minutes for them to figure out how to turn it off and back on again. Oh, oh man. But the adventures of traveling, it never ends. And then last night I went to uh, my first vegan restaurant that was um, interesting because I wasn't planning on going to a vegan restaurant. I was planning on going to my favorite 24-hour diner, but they were closed. So there's a 24-hour vegan restaurant down the street, and I was hungry. Delightful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Have you ever had vegan food, Cor? I have. Have you ever had vegan flu food, Fleeks? Uh, I was vegan for two years. I think I had some vegan <laughs> food. He didn't eat food. the entire time. <laughs> so Fleek survived on nothing but salads for two years. Got it. No. He survived so, by sucking the juices off of leaves in the forest. Oh, my God. So <laughs> I, I went in there, and they had, like, this chorizo breakfast. Um, they had this chorizo breakfast wrap and some baked cheese ziti. Now, they describe it as a chorizo breakfast wrapped in a baked cheese ziti. However, it's actually meant to mimic this because it doesn't have any animal products. The chorizo wrap was actually fantastic. It did not taste anything like chorizo. I don't know. It kind of vaguely resembled <laughs> chorizo. Better. <laughs> but it was like the vegan one was pretty good I had <laughs> okay so why while it vaguely resembled chorizo and tasted nothing like chorizo the taste itself was very pleasant it was really nice and spicy it was a very well made sandwich but that <laughs> that ziti I don't know what they put into that but you know, if you ever have a terrorist you want to extract data from, all you got to do is feed him some of this vegan big ziti. Because, my God, that shit was... Woo! Spicy? Luckily, good? Oh, it was, it was repulsive. Okay, that sounds about right. Sorry, vegans. But, okay, but in my experience, yeah, vegan food, I've yet to experience any of it that's truly good. I've experienced some that's acceptable. Um, I bought a bag of vegan jerky that was, you know, supposed to be spicy and stuff like that. It was like hemp that was just clumped together. Didn't even have a meaty texture to it. It was pretty sad. Though, I will say this. They are hmm. building a, uh, oh, what's it called? Um, the, the burger, the, uh, the, the impossible burger. burger. There we go. They are building an impossible burger here in Salt Lake. And I'm really excited for that. Because that is a uh, that's a vegan burger joint, and it apparently has very high ratings as far as even burgers go. Okay, it'd be interesting to try that because the neighborhood in Phoenix I went to must have been the trendy hipster neighborhood because there are like vegan restaurants everywhere. And how many places can you go in life where there's a 24-hour vegan restaurant joint and the owner's packing a gun? Yeah, welcome to Phoenix. <laughs> um, so, you know, you're there with this hippie lady packing a gun who is serving you all this awesome, interesting things. And I will openly admit, while my chorizo wrap was interesting and the ziti was atrocious, my vegan hot chocolate 
and my vegan vanilla cupcake were absolutely delicious. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then I um, had soy milk, this... hot, soy milk, chocolate milk, and soy milk hot chocolate are actually pretty good. Yes. Yeah, they 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 they, they can uh, vegan pastries so damn good. Sometimes even better than the original. For example, some I wouldn't I wouldn't say it's better, but about this I would say the same the same quality is like if you have vegan cheesecake, for example. It's like oh my god, how did they do that? And I actually am able to bake. Uh, vegan cheesecake and opposite uh, and opposite to non-vegan cheesecake. It never works when I try to um, bake normal cheesecake. <laughs> hey, it's... if it tastes good, that's awesome. I'll tell you the most surprising thing, guys, for me. Honestly, at the end of the day, the most surprising thing my entire meal was at the very end, I had an almond scone thing. Um <laughs> With like you've seen them in, abroad in the UK and shit, you know. So it's got almonds and you know it's made and it looks like a scone. But to mimic that, they actually make it with almonds and potato, and it tasted absolutely delicious to me. I thought, wow, this is a very unique twist. I thought it tasted great. But my friend who was with me absolutely was wanting it to be a regular almond scone. And was like, oh, this, this, no, just no. You can't go into vegan food expecting it to be anything comparable to normal food. That will only set you up for disappointment. However, if you treat it as its own culinary experience, it can be not bad. It can be okay. Yeah. Thank you. That's exactly what I went into. I went into a totally open mind. <laughs> do, are you aware of Cordon Bleu in, uh, in the Americas? Aware of what? That's a cordon like, bleu? Uh, yes. A cordon yeah, bleu. Okay. A, a yes, schnitzel, yes. A schnitzel filled with ham and cheese. And, okay. And I had an. I, I love that. I, I really love cordon bleu. And then I had it in vegan form and I was like, oh my God, is this, this good? Oh my God. It's like, I, I don't know what they did and what kind of vegan cheese they used for it, but it didn't. Didn't quite taste like a cordon bleu, but it had the, the, the it had the haptic, the feeling, and it had had like a unique taste, like like it had I don't haptic. Know what did, but it was yeah. Um, that's that's the, the most the, the unique feeling. expression I've used. I've heard that form used for like it had haptic feedback. It vibrated in my mouth. <laughs> hey, there's actually um, uh, I think the uh, some Asian people thing uh, like cultures. Um, when they do food, they, they say uh, food has taste and haptic. And probably some other. And yeah, of course, look, uh, yeah, you can see it. And then for them, is haptic okay. as important as uh, taste. <laughs> see, for I me, don't know if you can do it in English. We call course. it texture. Yes, yes, yeah. thank you. Thank you. For me, for me, it's, it's like with burgers for me. I know it's weird we're talking about vegan food and suddenly I'm bringing up burgers. But, you know, let's, let's talk the about burgers for a moment. Okay. <laughs> Okay, for me, uh, a hamburger patty is supposed to be all meat. If you put anything else in that patty but meat, I will hate it. It's the way I am. Because of the sudden change in texture from eating beef to eating like chunks of onion, for example, it just, just fuck that noise. I, my mind hates it, and I shut down. I just can't deal with it. Okay. I hate but I know people in general, that love so I'm that. completely on board with that. Yeah, I love salad on, on burger. But uh, 
I don't know. I didn't try it. So, Fleeks, I'm going to kind of defer to you on this since you actually walked the walk for two years. How in the hell do they make vegan yogurt? Uh, with soya and uh, similar cultures uh, that they use for making milk, I guess. But I, I, I'm not entirely sure, so I never, I never asked. But actually, there is an, a slight difference between brands uh, when it comes to vegan yogurt. Like the cheaper ones, uh, but then there's a brand in Germany called Alpro Soya, and that yogurt is like, yeah, that's yogurt, you know? Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, yeah, nice. I don't know how they do it. I mean, they probably keep it a secret. But if it's a secret, <laughs> how do you know it's truly vegan? They still have to. Yeah, it's kind of like how do you how do you truly know that the 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 eggs you purchased today are truly came from a cage free farm? You know, that's what's one of those things. You're kind of taking a leap of faith, unless you make it yourself. Yeah, you're you're trusting uh, the consumer protection um, laws and you're trusting the companies who are uh, kind of saying hey our eggs are from uh, are organic yay and so organic yeah. organic yep yep it's the combination well, of orgasm never change never change it's a combination of orgasm and happiness put together so it turns into organic or organic there you go. <laughs> I like organic better. I do I like too. Organic for. So, it got me thinking, guys. Uh, just real quick before we get too far deep into the chaos of today, we should what announce is the... the episode title. Sure, that's exactly what I was going to say, Core. Let's do it. All right, this is episode seventy-six, <laughs> seventy-seven. One of those two of Bird Life. I'm Core. I'm Fleeks. And I am the Griffin who shall not be named. Volderstorm. There, I said it, okay? I said it. Volderstorm? Volderstorm. Volderstorm. <laughs> All right, Storm. Uh, what were you going to say? I I am the Griffin that goes beep in the night. Yes. Um. So uh, I got me, that got me wondering, okay, what is the strangest thing you've ever eaten in your life? That actually, after you were done eating it, you were like, you know what? That was actually pretty good. This is going to take me a moment because I've had that experience a few times. I have to remember okay. like a memorable one, though. What about you, Fleece? I would say I would say it was the um, it was the uh, jalapeno blue cheese cheesecake in Stone Brewery I tried in Berlin. Because I was like, no, that can taste good. And afterwards, I was like, oh, my God, that tastes fucking awesome. Hummus. Oh, for... Hummus? Hummus. Yeah, I expected it to be all mustardy and stuff. But no, it's 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 delicious. It's really good. Actually, hummus? I'm super I'm into right. hummus now. I am... Uh, you, you're confusing me a lot right now because hummus in Germany are French fries. Uh, hummus is uh, chickpeas. Like it's yeah. mashed up chickpeas. Oh, hummus. Uh, hum, oh, Garbanzo I, I beans. Hummus. Oh, no. Hummus, hummus is hummus, hummus. in Germany. Hummus. Hummus. Oh. Yeah, hummus is awesome. That, and that's here's what got me into thing. hummus. Like, here's what initially turned me on to hummus years and years ago was uh, Zohan. Did you guys okay. ever watch Zohan? It's an Adam Sandler movie. I don't blame you if you didn't. It's one of his decent ones, in my opinion. 
It was funny as fuck, and there was hummus had a big uh, like play in the movie. So, and you needed to play hummus. I have got. I guess best funny as this sounds, Corey. I actually was going to say hummus as well, though my story is kind of funny into how I got into hummus. Really, and it started with it started with a lot of alcohol, and I was going to Las Vegas with my uh, with my best bird in the world friend. and melons and so melons and i were on a spirit airlines flight which in itself is a very harrowing experience as to anyone that's ever been on spirit so we're on there and we're trying to get through this this um, basically greyhound of the sky experience and we befriend the flight attendant and they start bringing us booze that we pay for but the booze kept getting stronger and finally we're getting the munchies because that's what happens when you have enough booze at thirty-seven thousand feet you just get hungry and they're out of everything but yeah, hummus, because there's right? less air around you like you kind of swell up and expand a little bit so your stomach expands with that you just have more room for food yeah Science. so i'm getting cr- i'm getting hungry and my friend uh my friend melons is like we'll take all the hummus because they were I out lo- of the more you talk like i know we've spoken with melons briefly it was on an episode in the past but the more you talk about like your shenanigans with melons the more i fall in love with melons yeah Melons, Melons gets on there and says, we'll take all the hummus. And the flight attendant brings us one because she knows we're kind of out of it. And then we go through that in like 10 seconds. And it tastes, I don't know if they like put crack in the kind of hummus that's on spirit, but it tasted like orgasmic, heavenly, tasty bliss. Or you were and you dip the And you dip the chip in it. No, it had a really good flavor to it. It truly I did. You, but you were also and drunk. Then, and then literally I said, uh, I pressed the flight attendant button and said, no, 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 we need all the hummus. So next thing you know, we're like 12 things of fucking hummus into this flight. God, that we're 30 minutes out from Vegas. Oh, we spent $100 on hummus. Oh, my God. <laughs> we didn't know what the hell we were doing. Finally, I look at my credit card bill after we land. And Spirit charges me $100 fucking dollars for onboard purchases for hummus. And I was like, oh, my God. God, what the hell did we do? Okay, but, real question. Yeah, was it worth it? Fuck yes. <laughs> Good answer. Uh, yeah, yeah. You, I think it's important that you eat hummus with a lot of garlic in it. So, so if, if you make your own hummus, don't, yeah. don't, 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 don't be, don't be greedy with the garlic. Oh my God, the garlic, like ah. Uh, and there, you, there is a balance with garlic that's very hard to achieve, though. Like, you cannot be too generous with the garlic, otherwise it's just overpowering and kind of, like, sour. Yeah. But you can you can be garlic. generous enough with the hummus that it really gets in there. Yeah. 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 And garlic butter. Oh, my God, I love garlic butter. Yeah, I put garlic butter on, on steaks all the time. Yeah, that sounds garlic good. Garlic is just the solution of all problems, Core. Garlic butter? <laughs> Yes. Garlic. Garlic. Well, you can spread it on your toast. You can put it on your steaks, according to Storm. Uh, you can yeah. use it as makeshift lube. Don't do that. And, and, I mean, uh, if you're into some uh, really you cool problem, yeah. No, you don't want to use oily stuff for that. That's just bad. If you have a problem, just apply butter to it. If something doesn't taste good, apply butter to it. It will definitely taste better. Uh, if so, then, I don't know. Some people put butter in their hair if they have like dry hair or something but i think it's another kind of butter so but butter is still called butter hey this is gonna sound gross 
But if you truly, if you want nice soft hands, or and and um skin, coconut oil. Literally, go and like fry up a pound of bacon. I shit you not. Fry up some bacon. Fry up some burgers. The grease from that, as you're frying it and cooking it, gets just on your hands. Slather it on your hands while it's still molten hot. No, 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 no. No. You're gonna lose oh all of your fingerprints, and that's how you get the smoothest hands in the world. No, Granted, they'll be I'm swollen for a few days, and you'll be in excruciating not... pain. Probably have to go to the hospital Christ. with third-degree burns. But just Hands when you're when you're making bacon, just stick your hands right in there, just like slather it up with the bacon. Yep, that's exactly what I was going to say. Mm -hmm. No, but what you'll find after you safely cook the bacon is that um, when you're done and you wash up, at least for me, my hands and my upper arms are extremely smooth and soft, even with me scrubbing all the grease off. It's a very and dogs nice... love you. I know. Oh God, they just can't get enough of me. But <laughs> but. Uh, uh, Something amazing happened last week, and that was I had both. You fell in a tank of uh, bacon grease, and since then you're the smoothest person on planet Earth. I, I, like I'm you try smooth... to hug him, and he just like whoop, right out of your hands, just like a bar of soap. <laughs> hey, hey, I'm a smooth griffinal. Absolutely. Totally smooth griffinal. So, <laughs> we shaved uh, him with his feathers. Oh, my God. I am going to... Throw you in the frying pan. So we had, um, so I had sloppy joes and homemade meatloaf, both homemade. I mean, talking made from scratch, no recipe, you know, like no pre canned bullshit. And I actually loved it. And if you guys have listened to earlier episodes, you guys will realize I fucking hate both those things normally. Absolutely despise them. Makes me gag. But when you make it from scratch, you tweak the recipe. It is, and you don't buy the pre-canned bullshit. You know, it really tastes fucking amazing. <laughs> Truly. It I opened my you. mind. It was like, wow. We are now 20 shit. minutes into the episode, and we haven't even touched on what today's subject is, though. Do we want to do that? Yeah, you, you totally missed my, my smooth transition with butter as the problem of all uh, <laughs> solution of all problems. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, 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 yes. So, yes. Yeah, we talked about bacon. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, the, the answer to all things in life is bacon. We should know this. But yes, this week's topic is all dun, about our dun, listeners and solving their dun, problems. Dun, I think we, we have some or some secret agent. That's right. I got a new squeaker. You fucking did. I did. It's it's yeah. actually it's actually Hey Hey from Moana. I'll take a picture after the show. I love it. It does <laughs> it does the screaming chicken noise and it's so perfect. Ah! Oh but that's not what this is. This is me hijacking the show. My co-hosts never have any idea what I'm going to do it because this is Attack of the Birds. Oh, Today, fuck's sake. I'm taking that title quite literally. A small bird managed to take over a Delta flight. Yeah. No reactions? You just, that's okay? That's normal? That happens yeah, every day? That happens every day in Germany. Considering, oh, okay. enough yeah. small considering enough small birds can bring down a proper airplane, yes, that doesn't surprise me. Fair enough. Okay, yes. If we're talking about, uh, yeah, okay. But this is actually a little more uh, intricate. 
not really. This is back in December, I will say that much right away. On late Sunday morning, a bird flew out of the cold Detroit sky across an airfield and into the cockpit of a jetliner bound south for Atlanta. Some believe it was a sparrow, some a hummingbird. A Delta Airlines spokesman referred to it as a stowaway, and in any case, it would be a long delay before flight 1943 could catch the thing and get a look at it. <laughs> So it had a bird on the loose. <laughs> yes, hanging out in the cockpit. Shane Perry, a minister with a connection and a speech a minister with a connection and a speech to make, was waiting to board when he saw the pilot walk off the jet bridge and whisper something to the ticket agent. He said, In my eighteen years of doing this, this is the first time I've ever seen this, Perry told the Washington Post. There's a bird in the cockpit. <laughs> The ticket agent began laughing at this, and it seemed funny to Perry, too. At that point, he boarded the plane with the other passengers and watched as yellow-vested workers rummaged through the cockpit. They didn't find the bird in the first few minutes, or the next few. The pilot stood in the aisle, hands in pockets, and watched like everyone else. An hour later, they were still grounded in the airplane, watching winter birds flit around outside the window while the stowaway stayed hidden in the cockpit. There was some talk that morning of moving everyone to a different plane, but eventually the pilot's voice came over the intercom and announced that the bird must have left. The explanation was that the bird had apparently flown out of some type of hatch under the plane, which did seem strange to me. Um, but he did recall the pilot telling the passengers, we're going to take off, but if I hear any chirping in the cockpit, I'll turn around. I took it as a joke, Perry said. Perry doesn't think that they were in the air for more than five minutes before the bird made its second appearance, and the Delta spokesman <laughs> described the time as shortly after takeoff. Oh, God. <laughs> so they returned the flight? Well, let me get to that. Oh, jeez. The captain came back on the intercom and said, The bird is back. The bird is flying around the cockpit, he announced. If the hunt for this elusive bird, which the pilot thought was a hummingbird, though no one else was really sure, uh, began as a comedy, now seems a little less funny thousands of feet above the ground. Out of an abundance of caution, the captain made the decision to return, the de return to Detroit to avoid a potential distraction during flight. They think the bird, like everyone else on the flight, made it halfway to Georgia before the plane turned back. A flight tracker shows the plane made a big loop around Detroit and landed backwards started. The yellow <laughs> man invests came back on the board and the search resumed. By now, people were in danger of missing their connections, so they started to walk back to the gate to find other flights. Perry stayed in his seat and watched a somewhat disgruntled-looking pilot watch the workers search for the bird. A few more minutes passed, and then he saw it. A worker came out of the cockpit. In his arms, with a towel, was the bird. And it was a very small bird they specified, but they did not say what. The bird was safely removed and set free. And presumably, the flight resumed. <laughs> you gotta wonder how much that bird cost Delta for oh, that flight. Thousands. That had to be thousands to be grounded and have to compensate for all those people, too. Not, not just yeah. that, but you gotta realize most, like in a modern jetliner, okay, you use about a quarter of your fuel just for takeoff. 
So for him to take off, have to return, land the plane, mean they would have to refuel that plane again. <laughs> and True. that's not cheap. <laughs> yeah. So we're easily reaching the hundred thousands at this point. <laughs> yeah, that, that that was one expensive bird. <sighs> Good lord. This has been Attack of the Birds. Storm, you may resume starting this episode. <laughs> Our first listener question comes from Krios. The question is that he wants to know Tim Hortons or Starbucks? You know, I know a lot of Tim Hortons. I never was able to try Tim Hortons, so I can't say for certain. I will say this, I've though. Both. Yes. Lately, I'm not usually a Starbucks person, but lately, Starbucks has the uh, cold foam cascara, and I'm kind of hooked on that. It's really good. It's pretty good, yeah. I, I, I tried it when I was in the U.S., but uh, pr- I still prefer the chesty cold brew with some number. I forgot how it's called, but Nando, no, no, no. Yeah, it has some cold brew without sugar and without milk. That, that's I really like that. I'm actually really shocked at the quality of Starbucks's uh, cold brews because they are really, really good. And then the cold foam is like yeah. a sweetened cold foam. It's just a milky froth that they put on top. It's delicious. Yeah. Really I will good. say for frou-frou drinks, Starbucks, absolutely. Because with what you guys were just describing, it's hard to beat Starbucks for their frou-frou drinks, really. They have got the technology, the, the R&D, et cetera, I to make some awesome I don't stuff. know that I would call the cold foam frou-frou. Like, it to is me it's sweet from the, cold, from the, the sweetened foam on top. Enough. But the cold coffee itself is dark, dark coffee. Okay. Yeah, you you wouldn't like it without at least like five packs of sugar. I, yeah, I you'd probably be like throwing in several several cups of sugar into your cup of coffee. Yep, knowing me. Yep. So, uh, I I am of the opinion for regular hot coffee that you know you add some sweetener and cream to just simple hot coffee. Okay. Uh, Tim Hortons all the way because I think Starbucks traditional coffee tastes burnt. With that being said, for fancier beverages, Starbucks, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, but but the, but the best thing to get coffee are still like the local family-owned coffee shops, those hipster things that nobody knows about except students and stuff. I, yeah, yeah, I agree. Cool. With that. I agree. Even by they, me, they, when put, you... they put a lot of effort into being unique and stuff. That's and you taste that, yeah. When you come, uh, when you come visit my nest later this year, Peck Peck, I'm going to take you to my favorite local coffee shop. That's mom and pop. It's fantastic. Nice. I think you'll like it. I think you'll uh, like take it. me take me everywhere. Take me to the good stuff, Storm. Oh, just take oh, him. Just to... take him, Storm. I'm going to take him on every way. So. <laughs> 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 this episode is all about you. So next question comes from Reg Day. He beeps. What other bird species have you been mistaken for from your bird selves? If not, what's the worst one you have heard someone be called a species that was totally off their actual species? So it's a if it's an if or or question. I've, so go ahead. I've never been mistaken as a different species. Yeah, me, me neither. But people, somebody, I think, thought I was a sparrow. People do constantly think, like, I'm a girl because Cora's purple, and they assume genders. 
You could also be royal, royalty, practically. I mean, not the the the, the person royalty, but royalty like. Uh, yeah, the person royal royalty color, is you know? is much much prettier than I am. Royalty <laughs> is a royalty is a pretty bird. I would agree with that. But purple is and the color of royalty. Yes. <laughs> For me, um, since my name quite literally is Storm Griffin, you got to be a special snowflake to think I'm something other than a griffin. It has happened once. One time, I was called a culturally confused eagle. But in terms of other people I know, perhaps the silliest I've seen is uh, is someone calling a tiger a dog and calling a canine a liger. So I've seen that before. have been trying to upset the person if that's the case no no this guy normally that did this is a genuine sweetheart that wouldn't hurt a fly he truly so, uh, thought what i just said and i'm like wow so, wow some person kind of looks like the german eagle like the the the, the our german eagle and he has also the fitting colors mm -hmm. and I, that was the first thing i thought when i first saw storm griffin like Hey, that looks like the German Eagle just with riches on the beach. Ooh. I kind of like that, Fleeks. Oh, national bird, you know. Um, <laughs> we, I think, uh, I forgot how it's called in England. Uh, the Golden Eagle, is, is that correct? I think, I think. Have any of you been interested in either non-suit or fursuit dancing? What style would you want to learn? Uh... <laughs> Go ahead. Well, I've got some news on this. Um, Storm Griffin is being turned into a first. Nice. Congratulations. It's nice. It's being, the process is being started. I'm in final negotiation with the maker, and we'll release the name once it is totally settled. But uh, with terms of fursuit dancing, it is something I think I'm interested in. Um, and in terms of particular style of dance... Uh, honestly, I I don't really know. I I just you know kind of moved to the beat of the music and mimic what people are doing around me. I never have learned a specific style of dance, so you know just have fun with it, roll with it. Most fursuit uh, dances at cons I've seen is sort of like a free form anyway, so eh, fuck it, have fun with it. So I would eventually when I get a fursuit like to uh. Like to learn like a dance style. I mean, I can already disco, but I would love to disco in suit. That would just be a lot of fun. And then there's just a lot of uh, other like more modern kind of dances, like uh, the shuffle. And I specifically want to learn like the shuffle boogie because that's just a little more bouncy. That sounds fun. I'm I'm not really interested in dancing or fursuit dancing or stuff. So I think disco would be the I, most fun personally, though. Disco? Yeah, disc that, honestly, hey, especially if you have a suit that can go partial, because Storm suit is going to be able to go partial or full. It's going to be designed to be flexible for that. Um, and then you can like put on some disco clothes and look like you're out of the 70s, getting it on. Oh, that'd be fucking awesome. Throw it down, man. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> if I would have to make a dance, uh, if I would have to pick a dance to learn, I... I don't know. I, I I probably would just go with what core goes, so we can have 
uh, choreography. Yeah, that would be kind of fun to do. You know, all the three of us actually do a choreographed dance where we act like we know what we're doing. That'd be yeah. Fun. Yeah, including a musical. <laughs> I thought we already had a musical episode. Yeah, the three yeah. beaks saving the world one peck at a time. <laughs> there was the joke about the bird crew, the musical. Where is his beer? Where yeah. is his beer? It's over there. It's over there. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> no, no. Storm drink it. Storm drink it. Oh, okay. What did you do? <laughs> All right, Corey. All right. So, should I mention who this comes from? Uh, yeah, sure. Okay. So, this is from Eclipse Griff. Griffin. Um, any advice on becoming motivated to do a task you know that you are good at, yet afraid to display? Ooh. I have an answer for this, but you guys take the lead first. What I, I I don't have such an experience, I think, because if I'm good at something, I like to kind of show it. But I think it is something to show, you know. That's but I think that's that's your own mindset and how uh, and and your self esteem plays a huge role in that. The only thing I I can tell you uh as advice is just do it that's 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 uh, show it to your first friend uh, to your closest friend first and then you will get if it's amazing you will get encouragement from them for me what worked building on what peck peck said actually for me what worked is to start with a group of your closest and most trusted friends and kind of do a test demonstration where you show exactly what you're good at and then, um, especially if, for example, you know, you're a writer or you're an aspiring writer or you're an aspiring artist, hypothetically, okay? Um, I would take it a step from there and go to a, um, if you can, say a fur meet or perhaps host a panel at a small fur con and show off your art or your writing in that fashion as well. Usually once, for me, once I, because I've, been running panels now for three years my first panel was terrifying but after i got my feet wet and i got my audience feedback and i found out what they liked and what they didn't like you start to build confidence especially when most of the people in that audience are genuine strangers and they don't know you and um actually take that back i've been um i've been doing panels now for six years wow time flies uh, but yeah literally like Fleek says you just got to kind of do it and doing it in small steps and building kind of helps you get the momentum you need to build the confidence to keep going. And it's very important while doing that to not allow negativity to tear you down. Because if you hear, you know, people saying, oh, your work sucks or this sucks or that sucks, well, fuck them. Okay. Really take it. If you want to take it as constructive criticism on how to improve, do it, you know, tweak your work, use it as a passion for you to get to your best, but never allow them to crush your dreams. Really, life's too damn yeah. short. You only live once. Go for it. But that's actually at the point where you are, you know, facing it as a reality and you are taking action. The question was yeah. becoming motivated to do the task that you know you're good at yet afraid to display. Yeah, um, so to find the motivation, I do have a suggestion for that. And that is to... So in your brain, the way the, the chemical receptors work when you are feeling fear, when you are feeling anxious fear, and stress over doing a task, 
that chemical release is very, very, very similar to the same chemical release when you are getting yourself amped up to take on a challenge. So if you can shift your mindset, if you can just kind of click your perspective over just a little bit and change that paradigm from I'm afraid of doing this to this is a challenge for me, that alone, just being able to kind of shift your mindset into challenge mode versus fear mode, typically that may be all you need to kind of get that motivation going. That's worked for me in the past. Um, specifically, uh, so I don't know if I've mentioned this before, but I used to be in the 4-H, and uh, that's a American Midwestern thing uh, for kind of farmy, ranchy stuff. But uh, I used to ride horses, and we used to do events in the 4-H. So showmanship events, speed events, challenges, stuff like that. I was terrified of them. I was always just constantly, constantly afraid of, like, it was a form of performance anxiety, as well as the fact that, you know, there is an element that I have no control over that horse that I'm on, even though I'm trusting that horse with my life, may spook, may get freaked out, may be too excited itself at this event for me to have total control over it. So I was scared of that. I did not trust the horse fully completely either. But someone told me that to just shift my, my mindset from being afraid to taking on a challenge. And it really wasn't that hard to go, all right. This is a challenge. Someone is challenging me. Someone is, you know, putting this in front of me as a method of me, you know, uh, more like a fight kind of thing. You're basically shifting your your flight instinct to your fight instinct, I guess is the easiest way to say it. Um, But after I kind of realized that I could kind of shift that mindset, it did help me with the events. It helped me maintain more control. It helped me perform better. It helped me actually be able to not be afraid when entering the arena, you know? Yeah. Some, another thing, okay. Getting motivation to do it. See, for me, becoming motivated is overcoming your fear because like, uh, hell my, one of my own biggest fears is I'm a writer. Okay. I am a very much a writer. I love, I love just throwing ideas out and like anyone that's ever role played with me, or work with me to get a joint art commission, for example, knows I could just pull ideas seemingly out of my ass very easily and just throw incredibly detailed scenes. But um, finding the motivation to actually take it the next step is all about uh, searching deep from within and um, turning the fear of failure into something that drives you. And, you know, it's kind of what you said is very true. If you take fear and you turn it into a challenge, well, then it's easier to manage. Uh, and if that motivate, and if that is a motivation itself, because hey, you know, this is a challenge. I'm going to prove to the world what I'm capable of. Um, for others, you know, instead of going, especially if you're trying to become motivated to show the world what you're made of, if that's too much for you, try focusing on just showing one person. Try showing yourself what you're made of. Just the person looking back at you in the mirror. And if you truly believe that you have this dream you want to reach, this, you know, ideal you want to see through, you know, what's that person in the self gonna in the mirror looking back at you gonna think if you don't do it? You don't want to live a life of regrets. You, you want have to, try. to find a way to draw up that inspiration for yourself. And mm-hmm. for everybody that's unique. You're like Storm is giving very good advice. 
um, my method is also maybe a method that would work, but maybe not. You have to find out what works for you and something that gives you that motivation. It's often like uh, simpler than you think, but kind of anxiety blocks you to see the simplest route. So it's it's like a blockade and... But, but yeah, Absolutely. I, I would say yeah. so once you've accomplished yeah, the task, well. looking behind you, it's going to be like, that was no problem at all. That was the easiest thing in the world. I could do it again and again and again now. But taking <laughs> that step is where it's hard. Yep. Concur. Um, Peter Corkley asks, when should a fledgling leave the nest? As soon as they have feathers that will carry them in a glide. <laughs> See, I'm going to actually answer this question more seriously. Um, yes, obviously in avian terms, as soon as they can fend for themselves and have the right feathers and skills, go for it. Get up but on us, bitch. In, but in the realities of life we are facing, um, society is actually pushing back the age of true adulthood later and later to the point now it's in the upper 20s. And I benefited greatly from living with my parents until I was in my early 20s. I believed having the extra support emotionally while also being able to get my foot started in the career and start saving money and budgeting allowed me to, when I finally left home, I've been able to live on my own successfully. Um, so everyone's different. Do not feel pressure to move out any faster than you feel necessary, but you definitely want to eventually move out one day. So once you turn 18, you got to realize the clock's ticking. You need to form a series of life goals as to what you want to reach, and you need to form an action plan to make it. And one of the one of the goals should be to get your own place, perhaps with friends in a roommate situation. But um, learning how to manage your money definitely is mission critical in order to moving out on your own. So good financial management habits, day one get that down to a science and there's a good chance you can make it on your own. The best advice I can give in that regard is don't eat fast food and don't eat at restaurants until you can actually afford it. Learn to cook at home. Yes, you will save a fortune cooking yes, at home. That's going to be number one way to manage your money right there as well as getting rid of unnecessary expenses. Like, if one of your roommates <laughs> has Netflix, you don't all need Netflix. Just that one roommate. Yep. <laughs> I moved out out with 17 because it got really like uh, I, I have five brothers and there was only so much space at home and as I had a chance to move out I moved out to have my own private space and, and it was good so it, it also depends on your situation out of curiosity but, are you youngest, oldest, middle? I'm the oldest aww <laughs> and yeah i i moved out when i was 17 and i never regretted it well done it's it's hard to do especially with the way things are going right now in some parts of the world yeah but it was yeah yeah i mean it's not as easy anymore because uh living space gets kind of rare especially in germany we have a lot of trouble with especially the rent prices and uh, some investors just kind of buy empty flats to leave them empty to increase the price of flats in the area. Uh, what's a super 
scumbag. That's a super scumbagish thing to do. Oh yeah. And, oh yeah. Uh, and also illegal, but still, you know, if they have money, yeah, you know, you know how it works. Yeah. And they always find a reason to tell people like, ah, oh, I need to leave the flat empty because it still needs to be renovated and they can't deliver anybody in and blah and blah. You know what I mean? But I mean, 12, uh, 13 years ago, I, 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 I was kind of lucky because somebody, a friend of the family had an empty room and then, uh, yeah, had an empty room and I could move in there. Yeah, that and that's that's exactly what I was referring to. Um, when you are ready to move out on your own, you know, finding people you can cohabitate with will save you a ton of money. Especially if you have roommates you can trust and you all do chores correctly and everyone pays rent on time. <laughs> um, a lot Sorry. of people don't know this, but my first set of roommates I have, um, I still have them. We've been cohabitating together since um 2000 since early um 2011 2012 you are the one in a million then because that that just is yep very my uncommon. best i moved in with my best friends uh, i have had a couple move out finally because they wanted to um, move on in life one moved in with a girlfriend the others wanted to move to california and i fully support them and we're still friends to this day and it's not easy. We've had plenty of fights. We've had plenty of disagreements. Um, but what happened is, is when we cohabitate, we form a set of rules. Literally, there's a set of rules in my nest. Um, you know, one person cooks this day, then another person cooks this day, and then we have it broken down to who does what chore. And we organized. Everything is hyper organized to the point that every roommate knows what is ex expected to them exactly, and that keeps everything running smoothly. It really nice. does. So. I didn't mean to come across as so cynical before. Finding so that's gonna be part of the whole growing up experience is you are gonna to have to find roommates to start off with because the likelihood of you being able to afford a place on your own is very slim. Um so when you do find roommates and they are your friends and etc., um that's another skill you're gonna to have to gain is relationship management. How to get along with your friends and how to make sure you can all cohabitate synchronously. Otherwise mm -hmm. you're gonna end up uh, fighting, hating each other, and, you know, it's not going to be fun. Yep, it's not. And when you do find a good roommate and they are good to you, hold on to them. Maintain and nurture that relationship as best as you can. If <laughs> you love them, don't let old. them go. Grab them by the neck and just hang on. It is a very mutually <laughs> beneficial relationship if you can maintain it. Trust me on this one. <laughs> they, they may be begging for oxygen. Don't give it to them. It's a trick. Jesus. <laughs> All right. Uh, Fleeks, you're up. Uh, yeah. Uh, Moria asks, any advice on an entry-level camera if I want to get into birding and taking photos of birds while doing so? My favorite... I have no idea about cameras. That's a tricky favorite... question because I, I can My... help out there, but yeah. Yeah, my favorite um, camera to buy because I'm not, I'm not someone that's passionate about photography. I love taking pictures, but I'm not passionate about it. I am. And so, for the okay, so Corey, you can have the grand finale answer on this. <laughs> but my, my my favorite brands to buy that are under two hundred dollars, 
okay, which I think is decent for an entry-level camera, is either going to be Canon or Olympus. I believe they both make reasonably good camera equipment for the average person. And if you don't want to go and spend thousands of dollars on lenses and everything else, and you're just looking for something simple, easy to use, that takes good photos, you're going to be happy with products from either of those brands. I still have an Olympus camera I've had for 10 years now that works flawlessly. And I'm very happy with their quality. And people I know that have Canon products tend to be very happy as well. So Canon is very good. Canon and Nikon are my top two. Yeah, Nikon's a good brand as well. But there, you start you're spending some money when you go into Nikon. It's so true. Let's not kid ourselves. <laughs> Felix, do you have anything you want to throw into this ring? Only that I have no plan about cameras. And Okey I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, so what I'm going to recommend is not starting off with a you know, high-end camera. Start off with your phone. You may want to invest in, like, a phone with a good camera. So look up some reviews and find well, some I... good camera phones. Um, personally, I'm in love with the LG V20. It has one of the best cameras I've ever seen on a phone. Um, there are some that are... V30, yep. There right. are some that are, you know, upgraded from that or, you know, better from that. But... Even at that quality, you're going to be very happy with it. And you can actually pick up like a V20 right now for under $200. Um, it has it has two phones. Like, Storm, what are the cameras called on there? Because they have the oh, the wide angle and then the normal. So that That's helps you a little bit too. The right. only issue you're going to experience is magnification. If you're going out and you're bird watching, you're going to need good magnification in order to capture those birds. You can't just be like right up close to it. You know, the, the whole Asian tourist grabbing a duck by its neck and taking a picture of it. Hold still, damn it. Can't quite do that. Um, so you can get uh, modules that you can click onto your phone, and there is a manual uh, magnifier that you can put on there that you can kind of zoom in and get, I think, about 5x magnification, 3 to 5x. That's not bad. That'll help you out to kind of start off with. They're not terribly expensive. Um when you're ready to kind of actually step into like real camera territory, because your phone is going to be a very good training device. You're going to learn, you know, if you have the phones that have the manual shutters and all that, like the V20 and V30 do, um, you'll kind of learn how to use the ISO mechanism. Like, well, you'll learn what ISO is. You'll learn how to, you know, manually focus, manually adjust. Um, so you'll have the, pretty much the fundamentals of photography down by the time you understand that using just the camera phone. <clears throat> so if you're ready to step it up from there, I would recommend saving up your money and getting a real, real nice camera. Because if you get the mid-range and the low levels, you're going to be disappointed with their quality in a couple of years. It's the same with phones, kind of, unfortunately. Um, personally, Nikon is my favorite brand. Canon is a good second. Uh, I would recommend the Canon D750. Granted, it is $1,700, but you can get, you know, uh, previous models of it, or you can get them, like, used or something like that. Just make sure there's no scratches on the lenses and the camera hasn't been dropped. Uh, but the yeah. D750 oh, yeah. Very much. is probably going to be, like, the best quality camera that you can get and probably will hold that rank for about eight to ten years if i'm honest with you it's it's a damn good camera it's been a damn good camera and it's just up there it will be up there for a while 
And of course, if you're going to invest in that level of equipment, um, then, you know, step one, buy camera, step two, buy an insurance policy for camera. Just because when you're dropping thousands of dollars on that level of equipment, you know, life happens, you're taking photos, you trip and fall, camera gets wet, you just want to protect yourself. And you know what, Uh, here, to kind of help make up the difference as far as the pricing goes, be a stock photographer. Just capture stock photography and that will... It's not the most profitable, but I do have a couple of friends who do photography as their secondary, and it brings in a good chunk of money for them to be able to continue to play around. It's good play money on top of whatever career you is you have your whatever career you is, guys. Yeah, and to build on what Core said um, about smartphone cameras, especially. Uh, the LG V20, and I personally have a V30, and they're going to come up with a V40 next year. Um, their cameras are so spectacular. Well, yes, yes, it, by the end of the year. But their cameras are so spectacular. LG filmed the commercial for these phones with those cameras, and you can go on YouTube and actually see the quality that they will produce under the right lighting conditions. Some lighting conditions, these phone cameras don't do very well with. But They're then again, not the best phone in the has dark, limitations. but there's, there's ways that you can work around that. Like I said, with the manual settings on them, just kind of fiddle with the ISO settings. <laughs> um, and Fleeks would, is falling asleep on us in our camera geekery. Yeah, I would go with the V30 over the V20 for hardware reasons. Um, but that's just me. If you want to just take pictures with it, V20 is fine. I would recommend the V20, but again, because it's under $200 now, or about $200, and just because it's like one of the last phones that's been made with a removable battery and expandable storage. Just saying. V30 still has expandable storage. Oh, okay, that's good. Oh, yeah, LG's going to keep expandable storage. They promised that. Well, they better go back to the battery thing, because that's really obnoxious. Water. Uh, In order to get the phone waterproof, um, well, water-resistant, they have to seal it. Is I, I honestly don't care about waterproofing. <laughs> I'm right there with you. I would rather be able to remove my battery. I passionately agree, but that's just the way the market's going. Blame fucking Apple. Anyways, but, we should divert before we go into phone discussion any further. Do we have another question? Thank you. Yes, we have plenty of questions. Okay. Um, all right, Core. Here's one for you. Bugger. As I asks, what's the most baddie thing you've done? I hang. I like to hang upside down sometimes. You know, on the monkey bars on the playground. It's fun. Stick your feet yeah. up through the loops. Hold yourself. Just hang. I agree. I've hung upside down and I've taken, put fruit in my beak and I've just sucked the juices down. Okay. That so that's more of a vampire thing, but thanks for contributing. No, 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 fruit bats. That's fruit part bats, of what they yeah. do. Yeah. Oh, I thought they munched. Not all, especially in Australia. They, um, they'll they actually suck the juices down. Uh, I mean, I don't know if they suck the juice out of the fruits, but they, yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, today okay. we learned. Peter Corkley asks, um, are false birds, or sorry, let me try this again. Are false vampire bats allowed in Verdania? Yes. What? Are false vampire bats allowed in Verdania? Probably. Backpack? Huh? 
Uh, the question is more, do they exist? Yes, yeah. they exist, and they're bats, and bats are allowed in Virginia. Next question. <laughs> Monochrome Tiger asks, are griffins the secret source of memory foam? And is Kor's hatred of cat grists a thin veal for his large stake in the memory foam market? Wait, when did I get a stake in yeah, the we established, foam? We established that... Um, griffins are the source of memory form. They get harvested of memory form, obviously. What the hell? So this is just no. This is bullshit. Who's been who's been dipping into my bank account and using it to buy stock in Tempur-Pedic? What the hell? <laughs> just, just no. I, I, as the Griffin ambassador, <laughs> I can assure you this is a lie. This is very much a lie. We technically use ravens ravens to make memory. Well, here's the way you can test it. Um, you can walk up to a griffin so. and you can push into them a little bit, and if the indent stays and kind of sinks back out, they're memory foam. You can do that yeah, with a raven, and, and you'll probably get your eye pecked out. I think I think ravens crack like they they you have just to, kind uh, of crunch uh, and, and fall over dead. Yeah, them. Yeah, them. Like oh, don't sleep on ravens. No, so, everybody can sleep on griffins. You know, following up on that, a certain raven also asks, "How can I for a, can I how can I more effectively train my griffin employees to be better?" Um, Seems like a simple question to me. Uh, I don't know. How about uh, giving Whips. them loving affection? And positive reinforcement and calling them pretty birds instead of cracking the whip and forcing the change of hashtags because you're an evil, evil raven. Look, we've tried being um, nice and it just results in you guys being lazy and napping on the job and balls of yarn everywhere and nobody's mining anything, no one's sitting at their desks, nobody's just, just being cats everywhere. So we kind of had to crack down a bit, okay? You see, I, I take the no balls discipline. of yarn. I take the balls of yarn and I use it for bondage in the evenings. Uh, I don't sit uh, here. Yeah, and that's just not workplace appropriate, Storm. It's not, okay? That's sexual uh, harassment. Electric fly sweaters. Electric I'll jot that down. Sweater. That might be a... Electric... Oh my gosh. All right, I'll go so, get the secretary tweets in on that. Have them go by. Yes, I'm, I'm sure you will. Anonymous Bird asks... What's the top five things I should look at when buying a used car? That's an mm. easy question. <laughs> still, still, uh, so there shouldn't be, for example, uh, uh, you should. The first thing you should check on the car is if there is still somebody inside, like in the trunk. God. And, and and then you should check if it has a motor. Well, that, that step helps. one. Step one is assess your financial situation and determine whether you're paying cash or if you're going and um, going to get a loan. Because if you're going to get a loan, you know, you need to calculate the budget to know how much car you can afford. That's step one for any auto transaction. Yep. I can afford a quarter a car. A quarter yeah. <laughs> Step two is go to the car, make sure it's not leaking any fluids, take it for a test drive. Put it on the highway if you can and roll the windows down and see how Go it sounds. Go on the bumpiest road that you can find and see how it holds up there, too. Yep. Step three, if you're serious about Use the car, stairs. 
yeah, after looking at it, you look underneath it, make sure there's no rust, or if there is rust, where the rust is relative to the rest of the car. And um, if you are happy with how it looks cosmetically, take it to your mechanic. Get it inspected. It'll cost you about anywhere from 50 to to $100. It's the best money you'll ever spend in your life. Typically less than $100. Like for me, yep. I did four different cars last time I was car shopping, and they kind of dropped the price each time I did it too because it's like, oh, you're back, okay. So first time it was 60 then it was 50 then it was 40 then they were like, oh, 35 is good. Yep. Oh, do it, uh, do it a few more times and you'll get it for free. Right? Yeah. <laughs> get it. Uh, in my opinion, it's well worth it because you can dodge some serious financial, you know, potential pitfalls doing it. And make sure or, it's uh, your mechanic, a mechanic who you've been going to and you trust or a family mechanic, you know, just someone who you have an established rapport with. Yep. Um, as a side no, note, no, if you see rust building up especially on the frame just avoid the car rust is like a cancer and if it starts getting very rusty it just is not worth it unless you're buying like a 500 beater you're going to get rid of in a year it's just True. not worth it um last thing this applies mainly to if you're buying a more expensive car because i don't typically buy cash cars i go and i get a loan because i get a car that's usually ten thousand dollars or more on average when i go to buy a car um if the car is used and you plan on keeping it for a long period of time, the extended warranty from the manufacturer, for example, if you buy a smart car, get a smart car with extended warranty through Mercedes, Ford buy a Ford extended warranty. Those potentially can save you thousands of dollars if the car ends up needing major repairs on the road. And most people don't know is those prices on those extended warranties are 100% negotiable. If you're you buying, do not have to pay. If you're buying from a used car dealership, don't even bother with the extended warranties. Yes. They won't do anything. The mom and pop, you know, corner lots where they sell cars for five thousand or less, do no 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 no. Pay cash and that's it. Do not fucking even get loans through those people because they're yeah, horrible. No, do not get loans. You only get a loan through your financial institution. Yep. Though they're going to give you the best deal, anyways. Like even compared to the zero percent bullshit that the yeah, just go through the, your own bank. Yeah, it's better to go through your own bank. However, I will say I have seen it to where a branded dealership, case in point, like a Ford dealer, sometimes because of manufacturer incentives, can give you a very very good offer. Just read the fine print, ask the questions, question everything, and do not sign anything until you fully comprehend every page. Um, the extended warranty, you can do the sorry, you can negotiate the price down. Um, you do not need the wheel protection plan. You don't need paint protection. You don't need interior protection. Just get rid of all that other garbage. It's not worth it. It's just a way to make money. But the extended warranty, every extended warranty I've bought has paid for itself at least five times over, at least five times over. So I'm a big believer in them. I know a lot of people aren't, but then again, I only buy the manufacturer ones, which actually work. So. Right. Um, and also, uh, look for the maintenance history. Yeah. If you, if you, if you, also, if you don't have any plan of cars like I do, I would recommend you to go there with a car crazy friend. Yes. Yes. I have done that. I've had, I've helped my friends buy cars many times now. Uh, I have got no problem sitting there and doing hard negotiations for three days in a row with the dealer 
if my friend says I really want that car but I don't like that deal, I'll play the game. Yeah. So car dealers smell if you don't have any idea what you're doing and they will use it against you. Yep. Whereas by the end of the deal, they usually hate my ass. But I don't care because I got the deal I wanted anyway. Yeah, you don't have to care about what they think of you. Correct. Um, it's not your job to ensure their family gets fed. It's their job. So, um, so yeah, that's what I would do. Right on. All right, these questions are going to be more silly in nature. Corey, you're up. <laughs> Moriar asks, how much coffee? Yes. Yes. Next. For me, for me, of course, yes. For me, it's one cup for the day, maybe two tops. Good That's lord, it. man. I will drink That's a it. whole pot to myself in the mornings. I right. dr- uh, sometimes I drink like, if I start to drink coffee on a day, I, I will end up drinking like five cups a day. If I don't drink any coffee, I don't drink any coffee. That makes sense, please. Oh my God. No, but, but yeah. Uh, Sometimes I'm drinking zero coffee, and sometimes I'm drinking, I'm overdoing it. That's always like, eh, depends on the day. All right, Flakes, yeah, you're up. to 10 cup pot. A question from, oh, Moria. <laughs> she yeah. asks, how do you cope with a bad decision you made years ago that hasn't manifested consequences yet, but might someday do so? Scream. Absolutely forget about it so that it comes back and bites you in the ass later. Lots and lots of lots and lots of alcohol, but no. In all seriousness, uh, not just honestly. If it hasn't Catholic manifested itself yet, if it hasn't manifested itself yet, just um, try to see, sit there and think about the best way to handle it, and then don't worry about it until you need to handle it. Honestly, if there's a way you can fix it, fix it. Yeah, yeah, fix it. If there's no Otherwise, way you can fix it, sorry, you're just going to face the consequences if and when that day comes. Yeah. And more often than not, there's a good chance that that day may never come. So, hey. Prepare yourself well. for the consequences. And if you uh, murdered someone, for example, then leave the country. Please don't tell us. I want to be able to pass the polygraph test. Yes, yes. Shapeshifter Ember asks, uh, is core speciesist toward all griffins or just a subset Why is of that griffins? the rotation of the episode? Also, well, that's a question even. The shapeshifter Ember asks, is core speciesist toward all griffins or just a subset of griffins? Also, how does he feel about being outnumbered by griffin sympathizers? Okay, I'm going to take over really quickly here. You guys can say what you want afterwards. I am not speciesist towards griffins. I was alongside. I was helping them fight for their equal rights, okay? Thank you very much. Uh-huh. It's just they are a little inept sometimes and need their hands held. I'm only on the show because I'm an equal opportunity griffin. They had to have a token griffin on here, so here I am. It's to make things fair. I fought for that law. Mm. You fought for that law, yes. I fought the power and the power won. <laughs> so I you were fighting for... against that law? Oh no, I was I'm I'm for I'm for, <laughs> I'm for Griffin <laughs> Reparations, damn it. We need to be reimbursed for all I'm the I'm a Griffin and I'm done. against Griffin Griffonic equal rights. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I want to remain subordinate. I want to remain superior. That sounds better than subordinate. 100% bird only half the taxes. That's the way Griffins roll. So uh, I think but you only get, you also only get half the bird seed. Uh, half the taxes, half the bird seed, all the meat you want. I love it. 
Yeah, so, media. Uh, you you can you can have a bit of my uh, grub. There no we problem. go. There we go. I'm I'm happy that we. Thanks, Pumba. In all seriousness, <laughs> core core is a little bit of a special bird, and you know we grips we kind of you know pat him on the head and put him in a padded room from time to time, but. We know deep down he still technically loves us, and we love him for who he is. <laughs> technically, on paper. <laughs> <laughs> oh. yeah, this concludes our um, listener support questions this week. All right. Woo-hoo! Thank you guys for participating, and thank you for sending us your messages. It was a lot of fun. I, I hope we helped out. We probably didn't, but I hope we did. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Storm, would you like to sign us off? Ah, sure, sure. Thank you so much for tuning in. You can catch us. Let's see. I've listened to this 5,000 times. Ah, you can l- catch our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play Music, the website, bird.life, and the RSS feed. We appreciate your support. And if you want to donate to keep the lights on, the birds fed and us getting better equipment please go to patreon.com slash bird podcast we could use every penny you send for the best of causes and remember griffin's rule birds are always awesome. be beeping always be beaky always be beeping always be beeping <sighs> Have you ever had vegan food, Cor? I have. Have you ever had vegan flu- food, Fleeks? Uh, I was vegan for two years. I think I had some vegan <laughs> food. He didn't eat food. the entire time. <laughs> so Fleeks survived on nothing but salads for two years. Got it. No. He survived so, by sucking the juices off of leaves in the forest. <laughs>